ladies. How are you? Good. Pretty day, huh? Well, we have some of the ladies who only get to come every once in a while. And we have some ladies who have just returned since COVID. So things have changed a bit. So we have some ladies on Zoom. Hello, Zoom ladies. And we have uh, just all ways you can still get a hold of us. So if you miss a class, you can't make it by Zoom or in person, you can find it on Spotify. If you don't know how to find that, you can go to our website at christownhome.com. And there's little links that'll take you to YouTube and you can watch the video or you can go to Spotify and listen. And in your email, you'll find uh, um, handouts. So there's no shortage of ways to keep in the loop and to keep encouraged. And that's why we're here to be encouraged. Welcome to Christian Women's Bible Study. I'm Jennifer Romero, and I'm just really glad you're here. And so today, we're still pretty early in the semester. We've been uh, kind of hanging out in Psalm 119 for the, for the year, last fall in this semester, though I don't have a lot from Psalm today. I um, The first lesson we did, we kind of did a spiritual assessment of ourselves. You know, how are we doing? Are we, we know Jesus? Are we obeying? Are we producing fruit? Kind of that kind of topic. So if you missed it, that's a good one to listen to. Last week, Jan, can everybody hear me okay? Okay. Last week, uh, Jan Larrabee shared on contentment, excellent uh, secrets of contentment. So if you don't know those, you need to tune in, read that, listen to that so uh, today, we are going to be talking about um, how to listen for God's voice. And there's a lot of voices out there, aren't there? And not all of them are his. So we're going to walk through today um, how to be discerning. Now, next month, as has always been at Christown, is, is love month, right? So it's marriage, it's love husband, it's love children. Um, it's behind the bedroom door. Sorry, I didn't mean to choke. <laughs> I'm always wanting to get that. So. I said, it takes me a little bit to get ready. Uh, so anyway, my husband, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll get to that later. So anyway, uh, marriage month is really fun. It's really sweet. We'll, we'll also have a banquet within the month. So that'll be fun. We'll just have some good time to really um, encourage each other to really love as God loves us. So when we talk about hearing God's voice, what's the first thing that we need to be able to do? We need to be able to hear. And salvation, accepting Christ as our Savior, is the way that we hear his voice. And as the song said, you know, we're very thankful that Christ died for us, but he didn't leave it at that. He rose from the dead and offers us eternal life. And ladies, if you are a believer, you're already walking your eternal life, right? We're already called to be, to glorify him and to walk in his ways and in his word. And we, our body will die, but our, our soul will continue forever eternal with him in glory. So amen. So, um, Says, you know, in the Bible, my sheep hear my voice and they they know it and they follow me. So that's where we start with our relationship with him. So we start by knowing his voice. Okay. And think about so when we when we become Christians, we become children of God, right? And God is our father, and he loves us as his daughters, as his children. And what do we do when we first have a baby? We make a little place for it. We do all things, kind of ways to hem it in and protect it, right? So that's what God does for us. And he realizes that we are but babes. And we re he realizes he's made us a new creature, but he realizes it's going to take some time for this kid to grow up and to figure out godly wisdom. 
And so he doesn't just leave us stranded. He gives us all kinds of ways that we're surrounded by his love and his word. So let's kind of go through a few of those. Um, you should be there on your sheet. So, so the first one would be the Bible, right? The Bible, the word of God. And as Christians, ladies at Christown, and I hope in your churches as well, we see this as the word of God, not to be altered, not to be changed. And even some churches that say that, they will um, not give the word the position it needs and it deserves and it demands. So be sure that you're, wherever you're worshiping, that the pastor knows the word of God, that he's studying it, that he's not just pulling out things to tickle you and make you happy and to motivate you. Nothing that we do should be contrary to his word. That being said, we can't just pick out a scripture and make it mean what we want it to say. The Bible has to be studied in context, in, in the context of who it was written to and the circumstances at the time. And so we look at those verses and we get that context and we say, okay, what does this tell me about God? And what does that say to me about my situation and how God operates, right? So it's not just, oh, let's see what makes me feel good here. Let's, uh, you know, and then just kind of deciding what the word means. One example would be Jeremiah 29. We love that verse. We write it on cups and graduation cards. You know, what are the plans I have for you, said the Lord? Plans to prosper, right? And, but you know what? Israel was not in a place of prosperity. They were in a place of imprisonment. They were captive. It was not a good time for them. So for us just to pull that out and say, hey, God wants you to always be happy and have fun and your life's going to be wonderful and prosperous. That's not what he's saying. So be careful that we read the scripture for what God says. This is so we can know who he is, right? Not so that we can be motivated and, and just be, um, you know, um, prosperity doctrine kind of stuff. Okay, so be careful how you read it and be careful who you're listening to. God's voice is never contrary to this. So it's something you try to make a decision and it feels good and you and you feel like, well, my conscience is clear. If it doesn't line up with scripture, something's wrong. So, the Bible, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the second way. He said, when Jesus left, he said, I'm going to leave you someone even better than myself, better than Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he walks with us. He's in us if we're believers. He fellowships with us. He teaches us. He teaches us with the word. He counsels us. He speaks to our heart, right? And that's where we kind of go into that area too of, well, does this feel right? Well, feeling right is not enough. It has to line up with God's word and, and conviction. I, if sometimes when we feel like, oh, this decision is really good, it's because I just relieved. But it may not be a biblical solution. You know, if I'm thinking about divorce and God says he hates divorce, you know, well, I know that there'd be relief. I think there would be, but that's not true. We convince ourselves maybe there's relief there. So we just sometimes are just looking for relief. It's not the same thing as conscience and conviction. He's our intercessor. You know, sometimes we're so broken. We don't even know how to pray. The Holy Spirit steps in there and prays to us with words that we can't even understand much deeper than we could ever understand. Let's look at John 14, 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Wow. 
We don't want to be apart from him. Do you know, as soon as you're a believer, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But do you know that you don't always have fellowship with him? If you're harboring sin, if you're harboring pride, if you're refusing to confess those things to God, then the, then the Spirit's not speaking to you. There's not a fellowship there. We can't go our own way and ask him to bless it. And I think God is fair. You know, if he, if there's something we don't know or understand, he's going to give us room for that. And he's going to teach us and he's going to grow us. It's how we do our children. Oh, we need work over here. We need work over here. This kid needs to figure this out. So what, what am I going to send? Maybe discipline, maybe teaching, maybe um, correction. That's what God does for us. He keeps our course straight using, the, using all these things because he cares about us. He loves us. And um, I skipped over uh, Hebrews 14.2, as far as the word, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. But to guard our hearts, this word guards our heart, it opens it up. We cannot hide from them. We cannot hide our intents. He sees them. So to be a benefactor of the Bible and the Holy Spirit, we have to be open. Not hide behind our pride, but realize that he knows better than we do. He is our maker. He's our creator. He knows what's best for us. How about prayer, ladies? What happens when we pray? We step out of the here and now, right? And as believers, we're seeking God. When we pray, we're seeking God. And when we do that, well, for one thing, he commands us to pray, right? So he tells us to pray without ceasing. In Romans 12, 12, he tells us to be faithful in prayer. If we don't pray, we get our heads down. We just ram through things. We're not stopping to consult him. With prayer, it's time with him. Lord, what do you say about this? Lord, what do you see in my heart? Lord, thank you. He tells us to be thankful in everything. Thank you. This is miserable, but thank you. I know that you have a plan for me. I know that you love me. I trust that you love me. Our prayers really, really, really um, reveal what's going on inside. And when we take the time to, we don't we didn't hide those things from God, just put them out there. And then he deals with those things. He convicts us and grows us. He grows our godly wisdom. The big word now is emotional intelligence. You have emotional intelligence? It doesn't matter. If we have godly wisdom, we have them. And you have them. prayer we have bible the holy spirit we have prayer we have circumstances which is probably a little farther down on the list but you know if i'm born in um you know where i'm born the class i'm born into the color i am the race i belong to the, the language i speak there are things i can't change those circumstances define who i am and not that we don't have goals and you know Things can't change, but there are certain things that tell where we belong. And you think about Esther in chapter four, you know, uh, Mordecai tells you, you were born for such a time as this. You know, this is what your place in history is, is to, is to speak to the king, is to appeal to his heart, save a people. She didn't choose that. 
wasn't a very godly woman from all accounts, but she followed and she listened. I like Esther because we're all like Esther. We're called out of something for something greater. We're called out of this chaos and this world we live in. And we're, at, we're commanded by God to um, glorify him, not to blaspheme him, to represent him in this really, really good place. This is the time we're called to, ladies. My little mother-in-law was so upset the other day. She goes, this country's just in the pits. I said, well, you know, it feels like it sometimes. But what we're in is a battle, a battle for good and evil. And we need to pray for our country and to be um, walking in him and talking truths and being the light. That's what we are called to. We can't despair. <coughs> what about counsel? God's counsel. Who do you seek for counsel? That can mean all the difference in the world. If you can, if you're looking for somebody to agree with you, you're going to find them. And you're going to latch on to them. Well, so-and-so. You know, it's going to make you feel good about that decision. But are you willing to seek the hard counsel, right? Are you willing to seek counsel from people you know who are going to agree with God and not necessarily your product? Those are true friends, ladies. Those are friends who care about you. Proverbs 15, 22 says, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, you succeed. Be selective, but don't, right? Be selective in godly counsel. Don't take any of the bad counsel. But be willing to talk to several Christian women. Or maybe uh, um, just be careful. I think Titus 2 is so wonderful because it's women speaking to women. We need to be careful about seeking counsel of men other than our husbands. Our husbands are our counsel, ladies. If, we're, if we have one, that's our counsel. If not, then we find somebody like my sister-in-law, Cleta, y'all know. She lost her husband last year, and she has leaned in on my husband and on her son-in-law. And she surrounded herself with people who will, um, you know, help her make good decisions. It's hard. It's hard to make good decisions. Think about Titus 2, though. You know, just to, to find somebody who's going to teach you to really love your children and what that looks like. To really love your husband and what that looks like. To deny self, to be a keeper of your home. To give up your rights to serve others as Jesus did. That's a whole lot different than you're going to get from a lot of ladies who retire. I think the entire cult of, of uh, retirement has become wine. Sorry, it's, it's a little weird. Doesn't matter if you're Christian or not, wine's all, you know, signs about wine, drinking wine. I'm not saying it's a sin to drink. I'm just saying God says, don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk. Don't be, because what happens? We get loose tongues and we say things we shouldn't. And then we're fighting with our husband and saying things we shouldn't say and gossiping. We're called to be sound-minded. That word is sober and it doesn't necessarily mean alcohol, but it does. In our culture, it does. Just because your pastor stands up there and says, well, you know, it's pretty accepted anymore. Set the bar higher, set it higher. I have sweet, dear older women in my life who have so given over to that. And it's not fun to be with them. They repeat themselves all the time, they brag. Who wants to sit with that? We lose sight of serving others. Wine makes you a me monster. 
Sorry. Okay, I'm off the sofa. <laughs> that wasn't even in my notes, so somebody <laughs> needed to hear it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I've offended some of the some of the gals saying it before, but it's it's not a sin. Being drunk is a sin. Being out of your mind is a sin. Being out of your soberness is a sin. Gossip is a sin. Arguing is a sin. Nitpicking is a sin. So is that is that what it does to you? Pay attention. So whose voice are you listening to? So the other thing about, you know, kind of the other side of whose voice are you listening to, when you're talking to someone, depending on the advice that they're giving you or the things that they're talking about, you can know whose voice they're listening to. Not that we're to judge, but it's going to, it's going to help me determine who I'm listening to and who I'm seeking counsel from. You know, it's kind of a get behind me Satan thing. And if you've got people speaking into your life, that guy is a bum. You need to get rid of him. You know, we, we've talked about, you know, sometimes we share things to with family that's too close to us, our mom, our sisters, you know, hey, this is what's going on. And then we work through it with our guy. And then what happens? We make up. It's so much fun. And then they don't. Then they don't like him anymore. And they're not going to be on his side. You know, I, you, a lot of you guys did not know Donna. She was our prayer warrior here. If you listen, there isn't hardly a, a tape you can listen to on our website that doesn't have Donna in the background. Naomi be teaching away. She'd go, Donna, where is that? Donna, what did I say? What am I? You know, she, Donna was her right-hand man for many years and stayed many, many, many years after she lost her husband to pray with the girls. And she, no matter what she knew about your husband, well, how's dear Steve? And how's dear Steve? Because she was for your marriage. She was for you. And to be for marriage, you have to be for both. Ladies, you're also wonderful, but I only know your side, right? For true counsel, you know, for counsel where you need a husband and wife, it takes it takes both. But at Christown, a lot of times, if we'll just buy into our own little percentage, maybe 2%, right? Then we can work through a lot of things. And so that's what we work on. We work on what we can work on from our side. I can't work on your husband. He's not here, and I wouldn't want to, right? God's got, God's got him. He's accountable to God, not to us. So that's for next month. Anyway. <laughs> but maybe somebody couldn't wait. Um, maybe somebody needs to hear it today. So in um, Colossians 2.8, we're told to guard our heart above all else. And it says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. Right? According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Who's trying to draw you away from this? There's a lot of people who don't like Jesus. There's a lot of people who don't like his word and they would love more, nothing more than to pull you down where they are. Just forget all that stuff. Yeah, you don't need that. Be strong. You're your own person. Do what's right for you. That is not a good kind of counsel and that's not the voice we're listening for. <laughs> so what I wanted to talk about a little bit today, I wanted to start with the positive things and those are positive things because God in his love has hemmed us in again with his Bible, with the Holy Spirit, with God, the counsel, with prayer and fasting. It says, guard that heart. Those are the things we have. But you know, we have an enemy. And I don't think we need to spend weeks and weeks on the enemy, but we need to be aware. We need to know who the enemy is. Because you know what happens? Our brains get hacked. If you're on the computer at all, you know that having your computer hacked is like a big risk, right? 
And that means that somebody gets into your computer and you think that there's somebody that they're not. And then they get in, they mess with everything. They screw up the hardware, they screw up the hard drive, they mess things up, they steal things from you, right? And that's, uh, that's being hacked. So we can be hacked, right? There's things that can get in with our mind and brain and kind of rattle it around. I'm gonna tell you a quick story about my computer being hacked because this is how it works. It's very, very similar to how Satan works. So I was on my computer, I work, and I'm on the computer every day and I take classes on how to be careful. And danged if I didn't buy into something. So this email came through, oh, your bill is late. I was like, I just paid that. So I clicked it and I was a little upset. No, I need to pay that. What, that I already paid that, I need to call them. So I pick up the phone and then, so the guy starts asking me information and I, I gave him something and I thought, I said, you know what, you're a crook. He goes, oh no, I'm here to help you. I was like, no, you're not. I mean, it was just like this big, it's like the scales came off, right? And so I called my, my um, IT people and they worked on it. Okay, Jennifer, you're clear. Oh, good. okay. I, I thought I did worse, but it's all right. So a week later, I'm sitting with my mom in the schoolroom, we call it, and we're wrapping Christmas gifts and I'm facing the computer and she's facing that one. And something moves and I'm, oh, it's my computer screen. And there is nasty stuff going on my screen. And I was like, wow. So I snapped it off. The next morning I get up. Now my husband does not know how to get into pictures. Not because he can't, he just doesn't, hadn't, hadn't, doesn't know. And I hadn't been in my pictures in a month. I opened, I walked in there. My pictures were open and a picture of my youngest daughter was pulled out big on the screen. That was creepy. I mean, they were, they were, actively in my computer. So I had to take it down. It cost me over a thousand dollars. I had to take it apart. Wow. And come down to the very bones and put it back together. So that's yeah. think about that in terms of what Satan can do if we let him how deceptive. You know what? Satan has no power of his own. His only power over us is deception. That's why he came to Adam and Eve the way he did on his belly down low. I'm your friend. I'm here to help you. I can give you knowledge. And they bought into it. And that's what we do. So we need to be aware though. We don't need to be afraid because greater is he what that is in you than he that is in the world. Don't be afraid. My Rosie caution you don't say, don't scare everybody. So I'm starting on a good note and I'm ending on a good note. So be okay. <laughs> But, you know, one of the biggest enemies I have for not hearing God's voice is myself. And we talked about that pretty much the last two weeks. So this week and, and the world, I don't, you know, I think we're all pretty much aware of what's going on in the world. So I really wanted to talk about just the deception that Satan comes at us with. Listen to his names in the Bible. He's the deceiver. He's an imposter. I'm here to help you. He's the father of lies. The evil one, the prince of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Lucifer, Beelzebub, serpent, tempter, murderer from the beginning. And that beautiful verse we just quoted together is the good news. The good news is that little children, you are from God and have hope. Come them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John 4, 4, never forget that. 
And all we have to do is call out the name of Jesus when we recognize Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Turn the other way. Jesus never tells us, hey, take him on. Punch him out. He says, turn. Go the other way. No, he's not powerful, but he is powerfully deceptive. So I think one way, one reason, um, one place, excuse me, that he really does well is by dividing relationships. You know, Jesus calls us to be at peace with others as much as is up to us, right? And what does Satan do? He divides. He spends his entire realm trying to divide us. And he hits us where we're vulnerable. Maybe he says to us, you know that thing that happened to you when you were a kid? Or remember that thing you did before? Or remember the family that you're from? You're not good enough. You could never be a child of Christ. You will never be anything more than you are right now. That's a lie from the pit of hell because Christ makes us new creatures and we get to start all over. He forgives us, wipes us clean, white as snow. He paid the price. Nothing I can do about it, nothing I can attribute, nothing I can um, add to them. It's all Christ's work, not mine. So he might hit us in that thing, like, you're not good enough. And then he's really good on the other side, too. Hey, you're too good for this. You're too smart for this. You don't need to obey your husband. You're so much smarter than he is. Right? You deserve better. You're a special case. Yeah, I'm special, right? <laughs> uh, so he, that, that thing where he says you're not enough, he takes your broken parts and tries to convince you that you can be nothing else. And you know what happens too when you're in that, when you're from that spot in life, you don't trust anyone. There was a lot of men in my life growing up that um, preyed on women. And thankfully I was protected from that uh, physically, but emotionally I, I got a pretty good dollop of it. And what does that do? It, it absolutely took all my trust away from people. I am still a little guarded when I meet people. I wanna make sure they're on my side before I let them in too much. I don't like being vulnerable. That's working on me. But that takes away trust and we need trust to have a good relationship, right? Can't go on with suspicious minds, as Elvis says. We have to have trust. And if we're too good for everybody else, what does that do? It breeds arrogance. It's, it hurts me so bad when someone's whole mantra is that everybody else is stupid. That only points to one person and stupid. So we know where those voices come from. So how do we fight this? James 4, 7 to 8. Let's go there together if you have your Bible. Therefore, submit to God. That sounds really easy, doesn't it? Just submit to God. Bottom line, you love Jesus, submit to him. That's, but we stumble right there with that little word, want to go our own way it says resist the devil and he will flee from you 
draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We don't need to be proud. We don't need to go our own way. We need to submit to God's way. Think about Jesus in the desert. Let's turn over to Matthew 4. You remember, I know you guys know, most of you know the story about um, Jesus being tempted and taken to the wilderness for 40 days and Satan's there and he's trying to tempt him into, into I guess, basically to blasphemy against God, right? So, uh, oh, I didn't turn my page. That's why it didn't make sense. The thing to note when you're looking at this uh, passage altogether is that Jesus doesn't argue with Satan. No matter what Satan throws at him, Jesus comes back with scripture, right? So it says, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, after he was, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So basically Satan was saying, hey, you know, take care of this yourself. You know, God probably isn't going to take care of you. You're just going to die of hunger. You know, make yourself some bread, right? And when Satan comes to us, that's what he does to us too. Don't wait for God. Don't let him solve his problem. Step in, do it your way. We see how well that works, you know, when um, Abraham and Sarah were promised, Abraham was promised children. And so he, instead of waiting, he felt his wife was too old. So, hey, you know, um, his wife, Sarah decides, hey, just take my handmaid and have a child. Then that'll be the child you're looking for, right? We step in and we try to solve things for ourselves. The rest of that verse, Romans 12, 12, that I spoke to you a minute ago says, um, be hopeful in joy. Be hopeful in joy. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. That patient in affliction, do you know what makes patience? Affliction, <laughs> right? <laughs> But we don't want to wait. We want to say, hey, let's get out of this. Let's just get out of this. This hurts too bad. But I tell you, ladies, after being here so many years and knowing so many ladies, and we have women who um, have been married a long time. We have women who've been married a very short time. We have women who've been divorced, remarried, uh, multiple, you know, just all different scenarios. But when it comes to divorce, most women lament. Well, I wish I would have waited. Now, abandonment's one thing, adultery, those things are very hard, but most of us don't have to deal with those extreme cases. In our day, it's like, you're not happy, move on, find somebody else. You'll be happy, you guys can share the kids, you can co-parent, oh man, what an issue. That's hard. So solve your own problems, but it comes with a whole new set of problems. So Satan wants us to try to um, you know, solve our own problems. I wanted to read this to you. 
there was, there's a copy of this for each of you when you leave today. But this is the serenity prayer. And I've heard this my whole life, but I've only heard this much of it. And you're probably the same. I think you'll recognize it. When I read the rest, I was blown away because this is how Satan works. So prayer for serenity. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, I can do that. It's all about me. I can do that. I can. I can't change some things, and so I'm going to be courage, courageous, and and I'm going to be wise. But that's not what this is saying at all. Read the rest. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that, that makes me cry. <laughs> so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. You took out the best part. All those sweet little people at AA, they get a little coin and it's got this much. <laughs> There's no power in that. There's no power in me, right? I'm going to scream this one from the rooftops. This is amazing. I never knew that. But that's how he works, isn't it? Let's just swipe that to the side. Make it all about them. So the second test, um, this one's really interesting. Uh, four, seven. I'm going to start at five. Okay. Uh, then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give angels charge over you. Do you see what Satan did? The second time he tried using scripture too. Oh, okay. So this guy really likes it when I use scripture. So this, okay. This, this verse works. He should give his angels charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dashed your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, as it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right? So Satan's like, I can play your game. I can speak your language. Oh, you like verses. Let's throw those in there. And let's take them out of context and let's throw them at you. So that's what we do sometimes, though. As when, when Satan tests us, we don't just turn we maybe step in a little bit maybe try wading in it a little bit and then we get drawing deeper and deeper and deeper till we're drowning right we make bad choices we make we sin and we just keep going and then we ask god to clean up the mess <laughs> or we want to continue sin and want god to clean up the mess why isn't he hearing my prayers my my son uh struggles you're clean this month by the way um yeah when he was when he was 14 we put him in a boarding school because we just couldn't control him and uh, he was going to die and so he he tells the story about standing outside one day and it's like god if you're real move that cloud <laughs> and god didn't move the cloud and he was so angry for so long that god would move that cloud I was like, yeah, and you were doing what? And why should God do that for you? I mean, that's what, that's what we do. We want to test him. You know, prove you're real. Prove that you prove that you can really do these things. Clean up my mess. But we have to submit. We have to submit and obey God if we want to, um, to have the Holy Spirit 
and that communion with him. And then what does that do? That changes everything, right? It changes our perspective. It changes our words, our actions. And then this one is also a pretty significant one. Of course, they all are. Um, third temptation. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, to him, all these things I will give to you and, and if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and ministered to him. What did Satan do? He promised something he couldn't deliver. He makes all kinds of promises. If you'll just do it my way, I'll make you happy. Or maybe I'll make you famous. Or maybe I'll make you rich. Right? All the things that we think we want. We sell our souls for those things. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows. We have to worship him and him only. When we say, if only I had, if only I were, all the things that we think we need to be happy. And we're willing to give up our relationship to gain those things. So, when we follow, um, when we follow Satan, it never produces godly fruit. So, what does your fruit look like? If I'm following Satan, if I'm believing his lies, here's some things that will come out. Distrust, doubt, fear. Oh man, big fear. The blame game, it's everybody else's fault. If you find yourself saying, everything is everybody else's fault, that's a clue. <laughs> that's your sign. It's not everybody else. Grudges. Harbor unforgiveness, shame, you might be aggressive or moody. And when you see those things in your fellow Christian people, hug them, come up beside them and offer godly counsel. Offer to love them and help them to see. The Spirit brings calm to chaos, comfort to sorrow, peace to strive, clarity to confusion, power to weakness. Amen. Ladies, I encourage you. You know, I think one thing Satan really likes to do is rob us of our memory, right? To remind, to rob us of all the things that he has done for us. Oh, I'm so scared. Oh, this is so helpful. Yeah, but what has he done for you before? Ladies, write it down. Keep a journal. Turn it into a monument that you can go back and look at. These are the praises God has answered. This, he's, he was there before. He hasn't changed. He tells me the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is the same God that answered my prayers yesterday, and he will answer them today. Remember. Remember what he has done and share it. Share it with your families. Share it with your women you counsel. God is real. God does answer prayer. So I have a little prayer I want to close with. You want to bow your sweet heads? It's a prayer for discernment. Grant me, O Lord, to know that which ought to be known. 
to love that which ought to be loved, to praise that which pleases you, to esteem that which is precious to you, to blame that which is evil in your eyes. Give me wisdom and discernment to differentiate what is good from what only appears to be good. And above all, to be always seeking after your will and your good pleasure.